Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Fuck? Where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swikowski. Hey, Pastor Joel. Hey, Pastor Jonathan. Well, what a journey we are on. No kidding. Oh, my goodness. I hope that you have listened to the last episode. Yeah. Uh, because we, this, this series took a turn, it ladies did. and gentlemen. Woo. A sharp one. Yes. A, a very sharp one. So we are going deep. We are digging, digging deep. And I have a feeling we're about to dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about God's will. Part one. God's three plans. Yeah. Oof. Okay, so what's the background of this topic? Uh, and I think we, what, I mean, and are you going to start talking about what, what season we're in and what this all means? There's a lot of part one, three plans, yeah. numbers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, you're going to explain it for me? Well, yeah, we'll we'll get it all explained right here. All right, Big let's disclaimer. do it. disclaimer. So we're in the God's will season. That's the theme of this season. And I know it's only episode 11, but here we go. We're already starting to give away the ultimate answer for the entire season with plenty more to unpack in the final four episodes. So big disclaimer here for you. This episode starts a five-part series on God's will that will end this season. It took everything we've taught up to this point to be able to teach this decently and in order. And this is how we, you and me, PJ, have shown God and ourselves that we want to teach this information for the benefit of the hearer. So listener, if you haven't listened to seasons one through four and what we've already covered in season five, we implore you to do so. Now, with that said, terminology sidebar, (laughs) you're going to hear me say God's will, God's plan, God's goal. First, we use plan and goal interchangeably. Excellent. Like in last episode. In the last episode, you heard me say God's plan, God's goal. Those are the same thing. Got it. And we saw God's plan or God's goal was God wants to spend eternity with a group of people fellowshipping for eternity. Mm-hmm. That's Makes his sense. plan. That's his Makes goal. Sense. Makes sense. As it relates to the term God's will, we see and what we mean by that is this is how God accomplishes his plan. God's will is the how behind God accomplishing his goal. So in this episode, we will bring resolution to God's will by breaking it down into three different plans. There's a plan for an individual, a plan for a group, and the ultimate plan, or what you could call the meaning of life, which is God's goal for eternity. So that's kind of going to be how this episode will be broken down. We're starting the process of uncovering how God accomplishes his plan 
first by breaking down three different plans that God has. Three different, okay. Three different plans within God's will. Yeah. No, God's will is how he accomplishes his plan. Okay. God has three plans that we're going to break down today that will help us understand God's will at a deeper level. Okay. So how have people been hurt by this in the church or how has this topic caused disunity? Well, we know it's an argument with two sides. And remember, again, God's will is how God accomplishes his goal. The strict side saw the goal as salvation. The loose side saw it as God loves us, which really just allows us to do our own plan. When it comes to how God accomplishes his goal, it's either this. One, God makes everything happen, which we know is contradictory. Or it's two, there's no point in discussing it because it can't be understood anyways. So that's really how this argument is broken down in two sides. How God accomplishes his plan. Either God just makes everything happen or who knows? We shouldn't even bother discussing it. So when you say how God accomplishes his goal, what do you say when you, when you say how God accomplishes, what do you mean by that? Like the, the method in which he does it, like what the method or manner in which he accomplishes his goal, that's God's will. But you said, so an example that we, we did last episode, an example of that was salvation. So what's God's will for salvation? Or in other words, what's the manner in which God accomplishes salvation? He's the cause and gets the credit. We're responsible. The goal of salvation is to remove an eternal punishment. God's goal for salvation is to remove that punishment. God's will for salvation is he gets the credit. We're responsible. That's the manner in which or the method in which it happens. So when we, so when we're talking about, well, how does this happen? It's like, basically explain this to me. Yeah. What is the, what is the explanation? The mechanism, break down the mechanism in which and how this works. How does this work? Yeah. So, you know, explain it, break it down to me. And it's like, What's the simple explanation? Like we talk about that a lot where it's like, okay, can you break it down so that it's simple to be understood? So what you're saying is here is that how people break down God's goal is or how they explain the mechanism for it is they either say God just makes everything happen yep, or you can't understand it. So there's no point discussing it. Right. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. So I like that. Okay. The so answer this is, is essentially, essentially, we don't know how things work. Right. We can't know this, which is we why can't. it's kind of like, it's funny to even be discussing this because it is, it's like, wait. So I think our, our listeners can sit there and go, wait, you can explain this. It's such a different grid because like, wait, you can understand the mechanism. Well, hopefully you've listened to other previous episodes and you understand how, and you have some explanations right. for how certain things happen. Right. Because in everything, in the ultimate answer, there is a 
mechanism or an mm-hmm. ultimate answer or an ultimate uh, explanation that yeah. helps you live in a certain way. So that we can intentionally be part of it or be a part of that group that we're impressed with. Right. Okay. You know, the group, we, we always cover how this looks in the church, which we will later in this episode too. But that third group that we're impressed with is always the group in every episode that has figured out the mechanism behind the topic we're cover we're we're covering in a way where it allows them to be an intentional part of that concept. Yep. Got it. So what does this conflict look like in the church? So we have a strict side, we have a loose side. Let's start with the strict side. What do they have to say about the topic? We saw the strict side believes God's goal is that good people are saved and go to heaven and bad people are the unsaved who go to hell. And we saw that this side wavers between as it relates to God's will. How does he accomplish this? Well, God's already decided all of this ahead of time. Or eh, there's nothing you can do about it and you better do works to prove God did choose you. Mm. Now, both of these have massive contradictions. So how do they support that perspective with the Bible? If I was going to support the God's already decided all of this perspective, I'd use a verse like Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, again, we don't have anything against any of these Bible verses. Our issue comes in with how they're interpreted and applied. Nice. Now, if I'm on the side of the argument where I say, well, there's nothing you can do about whether or not you're saved, you just better do the works of salvation to prove that you are one of God's chosen. I could use Romans 2, 6, and 7, which says, who will render to each one according to his deeds, works, eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. See, I can take a verse like that. And Ooh. use it to support, I need to do works. Oh, nice. Well, that's a really good works verse, by the way. It is, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, yeah. honor, and immortality. Dude, that sounds like uh, like, uh, like the movie Troy. Oh, no you know, kidding. This where is, it's like, yeah. for those of you who seek, you know, a war battle. It's like honor, the, immortality. Follow yeah. me. It's like the general's speech right before they march off into battle. Oh man. Okay, so I'm dying to know how how would you handle an interaction with someone who held this perspective? Well, at this point, I wouldn't even really address the the verses they brought up. We covered this in the last episode. I would have these people read the last four chapters of Revelation to show them that really they're misunderstanding what God's goal is. Now, here's some excerpts from Revelation, the last four chapters of Revelation. Revelation 21, 1 and 2 says this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So there's one that would show them they're misunderstanding this. 
this goal is not what they think it is. We also see from Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, which that really shows, um, no, bad people don't go to hell. That's the lake of fire, right? Mm-hmm. And even Revelation 20, 14 says, then death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. Hell altogether is in there, right? So anyways, these worse, verses- That's a worse place. These verses really, what they do is they show- Good people end up in the New Jerusalem. Bad people end up in the lake of fire. And by good and bad, we mean, you know, the saved and the unsaved. So notice, Mr. Strict side, (laughs) (laughs) good people will live in the New Jerusalem and on a new earth with Jehovah. Bad people will live forever in the lake of fire. And it even says hell was put into the lake of fire. Mm -hmm. So then now, Hopefully, since this person on the strict side used the Bible to support their beliefs, they don't have an issue with me using the Bible to support mine. I would bring up all the verses that we have covered in the previous issues, showing that God accomplishes his goal through people with spiritual value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, God moves for, against, or not at all in response to justice. That's, again, a God's will thing. It's a how he accomplishes his goal. It is a mechanism. A mechanism. And remember, we don't get the credit. God does. However, we have a responsibility, and how we respond shows whether we are helping or hindering God's goal. This is how God accomplishes his goal. This is God's will. Amazing. So, so we have a responsibility in how God accomplishes his goal. It's spiritual value. Mm -hmm. God's will happens through people who have spiritual value. How we respond to that responsibility will determine whether or not we are helping or hindering God's goal for eternity. Nice. So yeah, so God's so God's goal for all of eternity is to hang out with people, is to be in fellowship with the bride of Christ. And God's will is the mechanism for which he accomplishes hanging out with people for all yeah. of eternity. So how he makes that happen is through people with spiritual value. Nice. Amazing. So essentially, the strict perspective is very simple. Yeah. It's heaven or hell. Yep. That's it. That's That's awesome. Well, before we get into the loose side, why don't we take a call from McMillan, Alabama. It's Pastor Richard Tater. All right. Go ahead, Pastor Tater. You're on the line. Pastor Joe, Pastor Jonathan, it is I, Pastor Richard Cater, calling from McMillan, Alabama. I miss y'all. How y'all doing? You know, I always taught that we would spend eternity glorifying God. And when I was asked what that meant, uh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Pastor Rich shared about that last week during his call. Hey, Pastor Tater, how are you doing with what's happening with Pastor Rich? Mm, well, I'm having a hard time not going to crawling and straightening this thing out myself. Well, 
You must be proud of Pastor Rich admitting to his congregation he was wrong to begin the church in the loose side of the conjunctive, right? Well, I, I, honestly, I, I didn't know what to make of that. Really? Pastor Rich was being a man? Say what? Well, I know you know this verse, but 2 Samuel 10, 12 says, Be of good courage and let us play the man for our people and for the cities of our God. And Jehovah, do that which seemeth him good. Now, Pastor Tater, the Bible says man is responsible for the cause, and God gets the credit for the effects. So what we say is the definition of a man is a male who does the causes regardless of the effects. So we like to say that when men do the right thing, regardless of what they get out of it, that is them being a man. Boys are only going to do something if they think they're going to get a reward. If, if they think that they're only going to get a benefit, you know, what's in it for me? That's what boys say. So women know the difference between a man and a boy by whether he looks to her for affirmation for what he's done or if he does it merely because it needs to be done. Okay, well, you got mother nodding her head over there. Why, why are you doing? Well, now you're shaking your head. Mother, why are you shaking your head? What? what? I don't. Okay, I don't know. Well, it looks like I need to hang up and learn some more from y'all. Well, thank you. This was my favorite podcast. God bless. Okay, thank you, Pastor Tater. What a call. What a yeah. what a call. Got some gears turning, Pastor Tater. Love it. So I didn't think we we're gonna cover man doctrine during today's show, Pastor Joel. Yeah, me neither. Uh even though it's definitely what he's dealing with, and the situation's rough, especially with Pastor Rich, but Pastor Rich is handling it like God handles everything. Yeah, he really is. God has given up control and in response mode. And really, since the seventh day, we've seen this. God has been resting, which means he has ceased from the occupation of being a first cause. And now he responds to us through justice. We are determining whether God's goal happens sooner or later, which again is God's will. Our response to justice, our response to value. Nice. What is the other side of the argument? What's the loose side, Pastor Joel? Now, remember, as it relates to God's goal, this side says God is love and there's nothing we can do or have to do. So this looks like, what this looks like is people rationalizing and ignoring the issues they have so that they can do their own plan. And unfortunately, they have no way of knowing if they are right or not. It's all based on feeling. These people are chasing effects, avoiding the responsibility of doing the causes. And these people are actually doing the opposite of what Pastor Rich and God do. They're doing the opposite of God's will. So how have people been hurt by this perspective? Well, they're doing their own plan. Right. Now, we said this in the last episode. I'll say it again. If you are doing your own plan, you are hindering God's plan. Now, going back to a story, 
these people on this side of the story are villains. In a story, the villain is a person who opposes the hero's plan. The villain has their own plan and thinks that their plan is good, when really everything they're doing facilitates the conflict of the hero's plan. So these people are hindering God's goal and are the cause of even more people facing eternal torment. Ooh. Yeah. How would you handle an interaction with someone who held the loose perspective? Well, I could start by just asking, what if it is possible to know God's will? Or how about this question? If you were hindering God's will and headed for the lake of fire, would you want to know? And then finally, this one's important because this will lead into helping us start starting to set up the ultimate answer. Do you want to be transformed? They may even say no to that because people on this side are good, right? Right. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. And be not fashioned according to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. People who can prove what the will of God is are transformed. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That's that's big, right? Yeah, I want, I want that. When you see this going on in the church, this conversation, what are your thoughts? I see three groups of people. There's a group I feel sorry for who are those who don't know God's plan. They don't know God's will. They don't even think it's possible to know how he brings about his plan. These people are deceived into thinking that God will just do his plan his way with or without them. There's the group that I understand why they do what they do. These are people who want to do and be a part of God's will, yet they're not given a straight or any answer for how God brings about his plan. These are the people who leave the church and have good reason to do so. And then there's the people I'm impressed with, people who know God's will, they seek out God's will, they facilitate God's will, they help others do the same. So it brings us to the ultimate answer. What is it, Pastor Joel? The ultimate answer, well, first, allow me to remind you and be clear, God has a plan and God has a will. Two separate things. Yeah. Yep. So God's plan, or we've called it his goal, is to fellowship with a group of people for eternity. Those people have to be righteous. So that's his goal. That's his plan. Fellowship with a righteous bride. Yes, that's a great way to say it. Fellowship with a righteous bride. God's will is how God accomplishes this plan. Now, we know that God cannot unilaterally make his plan happen in spite of people. This is good news. Because it frees us from the superficial idea that God is making everything happen and we ought to just relax and go along for the ride. We get to be a part of it. Now, it's impossible to discuss, to accurately discuss God's will without knowing God's nature. 
because God's will, how he accomplishes his plan, is an effect of God's nature. We know God's nature is right and just. God is right and just in what he does. God is right and just in how and why he does it. Pastor Jonathan, are you seeing yet how important every episode before this one was? Dude, I'm seeing how how important it is because I'm sitting here. Please, if you are listening and you haven't heard other episodes, uh-huh. what are you doing? Right. Why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah. Go back to the God's Go Nature series, right? Back. <laughs> Go yeah. back. Stop. Right. I'm feeling bad if people are starting right here. Right. So, so far we can conclude God's will happens through people. Yes. How he accomplishes his plan happens through people. Yes. People with a free will, right? Right. Yeah. This isn't the whole story. So the ultimate answer, the three plans is God has a specific and perfect plan for each individual who has ever existed. God has a specific and perfect plan for each group of people or a group of people who exist at the same time. Your church, your family, God has a perfect plan, a specific perfect plan for each of these groups of people that exist at the same time. And number three, God has an ultimate plan that is going to happen, the meaning of life that is going to happen. It's up to us whether we're part of it or not. So God's will can be can be seen relative to these three general plans individual group and ultimate how he accomplishes his goal can be seen relative to these three general plans individual plan group plan ultimate plan god has a plan in each area that can be attained if truth is followed also these three plans don't contradict each other in fact, the individual and group plans facilitate the ultimate plan. So notice God's plan for the individual and for the group can grow, but can never exceed his perfect and original plan. Now we're bringing in a whole other concept here. because so you have God's plan for an individual, for a group, and then the ultimate plan, which is the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Now I just introduced another perfect and original plan. The perfect and original plan is that all are saved on this earth. And the, and the Jerusalem he did create would be the Jerusalem. His perfect and original plan is that everyone ever is saved. Yes, all men. Yep. Right. Now. There are three measures for how well a plan is accomplished. And that's where Romans 12, 2 comes back in. When it said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So we have an individual plan, a group plan, and the ultimate plan. And then we have God's perfect plan. There's three measures for how well a plan is accomplished, good, pleasing, and perfect. Okay, so we can can measure this. We can look at the individual 
pl- uh, plan and see if it is good, pleasing, and perfect. Or the group will to see if it's good, yep. pleasing, or perfect. Or the ultimate will to see if it's good, yep. pleasing, and perfect. Yes. So it's like the three measures are like the three levels of how beneficial quality right quality it is okay cool or even now with god's perfect plan again this is the one that's all are saved on this earth is running down yeah that's true due to the individual and groups not following truth which results in the ultimate plan never including god's perfect plan so the ultimate plan will never include all people being saved Mm. yet due to repair and God caring more about how we respond, we can grow the plan God has for individuals and groups yet never exceeding his perfect plan because no matter what we do, it's too late for all to be saved. That's a great point. A great point. The repair that we can experience in individuals and groups comes by the principles and causes of salvation and sanctification resulting in the good or pleasing measures. So the, so the perfect plan is out. God's original and perfect plan is out. Now we're going towards God's ultimate plan. Okay. Which is still the meaning of life. The, the ultimate plan is this group of people that God will be able to fellowship with for eternity. Mm -hmm. The perfect plan's out because it will never include everybody he's created. Right. The ultimate plan is still ultimate because it's still going to encompass everything that the perfect plan would have just with not the same quantity of people. Right. Now, likewise, God, so, and this is really how God repaired his ultimate plan. God repaired his ultimate plan by saying he would create a new heaven and a new earth with the new Jerusalem, which was kind of to your point in the last episode. If you haven't listened to it, please listen to what the flock and mall podcast of Jehovah's story. You made that great point of like, why new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. It's like, and or why can't everybody encompass this new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. It's like, because then it would just be the same as where we're living now. Bingo. So God's done his part to create a new context in which this group of people will live with him for eternity. Now, to help this be a little bit more clear, Hmm. let's look at good, pleasing, perfect through the individual. The perfect plan for the individual is that the individual gets the maximum reward for their life and completely fulfills everything God intended for the individual. This is perfect. The only individual that achieved this was Jesus. The pleasing would be at the individual level. So for those of you listening who are individuals, this is how you can reach that pleasing. Christians are allowing more of God into this world through sanctification and grace resulting in replication ultimately the pleasing plan the pleasing measure of are we doing allowing god's will to happen are we allowing him to accomplish his plan would be are we 
partaking in and facilitating the Great Commission, replicating disciples. As individuals, are we replicating disciples? <laughs> no. Now, I know it doesn't really look like that's happening. I mean, we covered yeah. we covered discipleship. We did that whole season on what happens after salvation, culminating in discipleship, and it really was like I don't think many people understand what this is. I just had a conversation. Yeah, I just had a conversation with with people this morning asking what's the definition of discipleship. How do you make disciples? Yeah. And it was like, uh, well, I don't have a definition. How do you know you're doing it? I guess we don't just people are just doing doing stuff because they know that i have to do something i gotta do something yep exactly and now at the individual how do i know measuring god's will based on the good level would be really just getting saved this is god keeps accumulating justice from our disobedience resulting in him justly being able to bring about his plan so God moves according to justice. We know that's how his will happens, right? We determine how long this takes. So the good through the individual, this is really <clears throat> what we can see is if you look at this, the reason you can still say it's good is I'm allowing God's will to happen. I am part of allowing God's will to happen, whether I'm taking direction from him or not, because the value he gets from me taking direction from him he can use to facilitate as well. And the value he gets from me from being disobedient, he can use to facilitate as well. I just get to determine which side of that I'm on. <laughs> right. nice. You see how oh, that's, that's basically the minimum, right? This is the yeah. minimum good, like to be able to be part of God accumulating justice, just getting saved. I'm not pleasing, but just getting saved. So it's like that we are we are getting closer to the end and there is progress being made towards that at a at a potentially much slower rate. Yeah. However, his his uh his plan is marching on. Yeah, absolutely. The goal is getting nearer as time right. goes. It's good. Progress is happening. Now we can look at what does this good, pleasing, perfect plan look like through a group? Because we know where there's individual, there's group, there's ultimate. So at the group level, the perfect plan is we are all in the New Jerusalem and all one church. Again, this isn't, we're not going to reach this. We're going to reach an ultimate version of this but not everybody will be in the new Jerusalem. Those of us who do partake in God's goal will be in the new Jerusalem, but not everybody who's been created will end up there. What's the pleasing plan look like through a group? It looks like churches following truth, churches working together, churches embracing the fivefold gifts that Jesus has given. And what does this look like at the good level? Churches following truth, but not working together. Churches being isolated. Churches not fellowshipping. Churches trying to do everything instead of just what God created them to uniquely do. Fortunately, we see that all too often. Again, you know, it's it's almost like we're lucky to even recognize individuals at the good level and groups of 
people, churches at the good level, it's rare to see anybody at the pleasing. Yeah. Now, God, again, is never going to achieve, achieve his perfect plan that all are saved because people chose not to come unto the knowledge of the truth. We will see that God's ultimate plan definitely occurs, but we determine when and at what cost. Mm -hmm. So what's God's ultimate plan? The meaning of life, church and marriage. Here's a whopper of a sentence for you. I'm going to say it twice. Let's go. Those who are righteous by his grace are the church living in the new Jerusalem on the new earth, married to Jesus who paves the way for that bride to fellowship with the father for eternity. So you just put it all together. This yep. is literally like when I first read this sentence, I was, I said, I said out loud, there's a year's worth of sermons in this one sentence. Yep. So let me repeat it. Those who are righteous by his grace are the church living in the new Jerusalem on the new earth, married to Jesus, who paves the way for that bride to fellowship with the father for eternity. Amen. This is how God intended to bring about his plan church and marriage. Oh, got it. God created both of these. So the church ought to be a group of people who interact in the uniqueness God created them to be so that everyone ends up with more spiritual value, facilitating God's will. The ultimate way to do that is to have the Holy Spirit flowing through each person at the greatest possible amount towards everyone else. This is sanctification and replication. Marriage ought to be two people, two individuals who interact in the uniqueness God created them to be so that each person ends up with more spiritual value. The ultimate way to do that is to have the Holy Spirit flowing through each spouse at the greatest possible amount towards the other spouse. The people participating in this type of church and this type of marriage would accumulate spiritual value that allows God to move, facilitating God's will, while also facilitating God's plan by allowing the Holy Spirit to move through them as an individual and a group into this world. My final question for you, what are the two things the enemy loves to attack? Church and marriage. A lot. This may be a, a double listen to episode again, just like Jehovah's Story was. But yep. some, some questions for you. Tips for applying this topic. Do you know God's plan for your life? Do you know God's plan for the groups you're involved in? Are you living by his grace? Are you being led by truth? Thank you, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.